I want to start with some dedications to all of us through our different illnesses and the troughs of life and then the changingness of those conditions. For strength and endurance and the power of truth, the power of virtue within you to heal and be well, be strong. To all the many, many beings all over the world, there are fires burning. We have the opportunity to observe the fire within us. We may not know that we're on fire, but when we sit down to meditate and we try to bring the mind to stillness, it's very plain to see that it may not happen as we wish. If we've been through any kind of hurdles recently, if someone has attacked us, if someone has been unhappy and blaming us, even if we've done no wrong, not to speak of if we have or been unskillful in some way, then we can see the effects on the mind. And even if we've been living skillfully and things are going well, all our friends are well, family members going strong, and conditions seem really smooth, when we sit down, why is it that the mind is so turbulent? Why is it so difficult? Or why is it sometimes difficult? Or if the mind is unwieldy, or it's difficult for us to soften, to still, to come close to the meditation object. And even if we do for a few minutes, before long we're distracted with thinking or wandering into the past and the future, particularly obsessing, perhaps about some current obstacle that we face. So these hindrances are not uncommon, and it's really important for us not to take it personally, and not to think, oh, what's wrong with me? But to use skillful means using mindfulness and clearly seeing what is going on in the mind and then tempering it, allowing the greed to fall away, the desire mind to fall away. Notice when we're holding and when we're not holding. Noticing when there's restlessness and trying to calm the mind, quieten the mind, coming back to the object like a runner. We're not in a race here, but it takes a lot of deep concentration to stay in your lane, maybe like a driver on the highway. You have to steer your car. You have to stay in your lane. Nowadays, they have cars that steer themselves. But traditionally, 
we have to steer. So we steer the mind, we navigate, we avoid the troubled currents, and we stay in safe waters. So meeting the restlessness with a softer, not a striving effort, not a forced effort, but just that strong intention to aim for the object, to observe the object, not to waver with our attention, to really intend our minds towards the present moment and to see how that intention can carry us and stay with the energy of knowing Dhamma, feeling the power of the wave of Dhamma supporting us from underneath. We can't do this by thinking. We can't do it conceptually or from our heads. We have to rather be out of the mind, out of the intellectuality, and drop down into the body, drop down into the heart. You could say, yeah, we're out of our minds here. We are mad. We are passionate for truth, not for the world. So that goes against the current. But in fact, the current of the world is driving us at a speed that wrecks the body and wrecks the heart, produces anxiety, restlessness, distractedness, makes us shake to the core. We're so afraid of not getting what we're supposed to get. But in this practice, we're here not to get, but to let go of getting, to let go of spending. We're spent. We're exhausted. Can we come to terms with that exhaustion and then turn the mind to that which supports inner strength, inner stopping, inner clarity, inner stillness? We take off our glasses. It's like taking off the burden of the world so that we can see within us Once we've understood the power of the driving force that compels us to want more and more, and we never have enough, once we see that, we can temper it. We must temper it. See the condition of the heart again and again not to put the car on cruise control and think that we're safe from running into any objects. In this practice, we must continuously, consistently, attentively, mindfully, alertly direct our vehicle, directing the mind inward, And this is 
through an intention, and in the beginning we use thought until the object clearly stays within our scope. But that might take a while. So notice if there's any energy of resistance. We may not notice it at first. It could be quite subtle, an aversion, or holding back, and not trusting, not trusting, resisting, not sure. There's the doubt. These are different forms of obstacles that we must acknowledge, recognize, and then abandon. So we're always scanning our hard drive. You're scanning for viruses. We are attacked by the viruses of these five hindrances over and over and over, and they get more subtle. When we first begin, it could be just a question of restlessness with the posture of the body. But as we continue to practice, we experience the restlessness of the mind's posture. Can't stay on the object. Don't like the object. Check out that resistance. Tonify it. Purify it. Let it go. Move the mind to the stilling, the investigating of what is there. What is there for us to investigate? Just like when you want to put out a fire. The mind is on fire. And the fires of greed, of wanting, of ill will, of dislike, of judgment, of delusion, of not knowing what's going on, not realizing what our real condition is. So to see within the heart these currents and to quell them using the water element when it's a fire and removing the water element when it's a flood. But we stand up tall, we don't blockade. We go to higher ground to avoid these floods. And the higher ground is the heart rising up with our knowledge. This is a poison. This tempest in the mind is destructive. So we bring the mind to one point more and more, going to the center of the storm, going to its core, enter right into it and see it for what it really is. It's just a passing phenomena. It's an ill wind blowing. Will we brace ourselves and withstand it. We sit with it, with sit, withstand, we stand with it, we sit with it, and we allow it to pass. 
Our resistance creates more of a tempest. It's an inner resistance, an inner storminess, an inner complaining and criticizing, an internal dissatisfaction with everything. So we bring up a sense of gratitude, so much to be grateful for. Gratitude is a great balm, a soothing balm. When we can't sit with things, we must seek the quality to calm the weather in the mind in a way that will take the force out of the hindrance, disarm it. And we do that by understanding what it is, knowing it for what it is, impermanent, not me, not mine, empty, passing, beginning and passing, except that we hold it. So we let it go and we bring in a sense of gratitude, a sense of what is a blessing for me now. We're here. We're in the sanctuary of the heart. We're deeply blessed. We're committed to standing in truth, to sitting with truth. The truth of this moment is like this. Pleasant or unpleasant. The problem is not in the experience, but it's in the way we hold it. If we experience that which is unpleasant, you might ask, why is that a blessing? Because it's the first noble truth. There is suffering. We're so fortunate to know these universal truths and to acknowledge, yeah, this is suffering, I'm suffering. There is suffering, not I am. Because when we go deeply into it, there is no I who suffers. Well, that's the bottom line, there is no one who is obstructed or hindered by anything. But we are trained to believe that there is an I. So we're discovering ways to understand, to sit with suffering and not be disturbed by it, not be perturbed by it, not be vanquished by it. Because as soon as we are, we're back to the suffering in a way that is personal and permanent. But it's not what we think at all. It is not that. It's not mine. It's impersonal. It belongs to no one. It's just a passing phenomena. Difficult to experience in the body, 
or in the mind. But by knowing these phenomena, we have perspective. We see them as impermanent, arising, staying for a while, falling away. If not forever, at least moment by moment. That's enough to teach us their impermanent nature. And then we see the suffering nature of even pleasure. We're grasping for joy. The real joy is an unconditional joy that we will taste in the moments when we see the truth of how we've been holding things and then come to the realization of their emptiness, their insubstantiality, and their impermanence. And that moment is a freedom, a way of being with things no matter what, just exactly as they are. The traffic, the sickness, the fire. And then the deluded mind will say, but, but this is karma. Things are as they are. We don't want the fire to burn the sanctuary, to burn anyone, anything. So we chant, and we wish for the well-being of all beings, and then there is sickness, there is harm, there is death. That is the nature of this realm. These things arise and they cease, and they have been doing so forever. And we're just also passing through. We're only temporarily here. Because we're able to witness suffering, to see the origin of it, and to know the possibility of it ending within us, we see enough for us to understand the truth of the cessation of suffering. And then we follow the path, the noble eightfold path, the sila samadhi panya, virtue in this moment, purifying the mind, samadhi, stilling the mind, stilling it, bringing peace to it, no matter what's happening, in a natural way, not by force, not by willpower, but by devotion, in a loving way, in a caring way. We direct the mind until it knows this is home. What is the true home of the mind? In this way, we grow wise. The mind, where is it? Is it present? Is it aware? Is the object foremost in the mind? Are we with 
the knowing mind? Are we present here and now? We monitor breath by breath, in-breath, out-breath. When the mind wanders out, we usher it back here. Here and now is home. Present moment awareness. Letting go every shred, every strand of distraction from the mind. Every nuance other than the present moment. Every leaning towards other objects, disturbed mind states, memories. Any inclination whatsoever out of this nowness, this pure presence, knowing fully, absorbed into the moment, soaked in it, we cultivate this. Staying in your lane, sharpening our intention to be present and following through. We make a promise to ourselves for one moment and stay with that. And we recommit again and again. So there's an inner harnessing, but it's gentle. We tie the knot with the present moment. But it's not a knot. It's not. It's a knowing. It's a K knot, not a tangly knot. We're not all bound up, but we are unraveling the chains of life, the burdens, the weight. It's heavy. We put it down. We're tired. We refresh in this moment. We bathe in it, cleansing the heart. So free, so easeful, so simple. Letting go, peeling away the different layers of bondage that consume us without even knowing it. Now we know. We discover it's like this. And we make amends through this presence, through the power of this intention. We make amends in our life, beginning in this deeply foundational way. At a cellular level, we are inside the chrysalis. We are under transformation. We don't ask how or why. We just offer ourselves to this moment. We offer our intention to be attentive to be with what is here. It's a prayer. It's a holiness. We breathe it. We endorse it. And we harvest the goodness right here and now. 